You are tuning in to the Game Sports Show, powered by the Game Entertainment and Media, or known as GEM. This is the Little Caesars Pizza Special Edition Upload. Little Caesars Pizza in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, where there are three locations within the community and many more locations nationwide. Little Caesars Pizza is the largest carryout pizza chain internationally. Convenient, delicious, and cost-effective is a brief yet simple way to describe Little Caesars Pizza. You can order online through their user-friendly online pizza portal. Why wait any longer? Get on those phones, download the app, or get on your computer and make that order right now the game sports show and gem thanks little caesar's pizza in particular little caesar's pizza in sioux st Marie, ontario for its support the game sports show is heard on spotify apple amazon podbean and podtail podcast platform as well as the game you can make the game a part of your homepage on your mobile device by simply clicking the link and pasting it to your homepage. also you can follow the game sports show on facebook and instagram which is tagged at the Game Sports Show. Now that you're settled in, let's get into another edition of TGSS. Booyah, and it's time for the Game Sports Show special edition upload powered by the Game Entertainment and Media and Little Caesars Pizza in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. It is your host, David McKay Jr. Getting to our special edition co-host here for tonight's upload. You all know who he is by now. He's an example of speed, also pure example on how to take clappers from the top of the circle. He burns down the boards, and he's not afraid to get his hands dirty. An overall great man, a former professional hockey player of over 1,000 games and hockey analyst for Gem, Brendan Brooks. Brooksy, how's it going, pal? It's going good, man. It's good to be back. Looking forward to the show today. We have a great guest and uh, can't wait to uh, shoot the shit with him. Definitely. It's always fun when we all shoot the shit together, especially their special edition uploads, which you can check on all of our platforms. But now getting to our special edition guest, a true warrior, fourth round pick, 117th overall to the New Jersey Devils in 2002. Over 335 NHL games between his hometown of the St. Louis Blues and also with the New Jersey Devils. A total of over 540 professional games in North America, over 50 in Europe. Uh, 14 points in 335 NHL games with 774 penalty minutes. Also played 10 playoff games, notching 26 penalty minutes in the process. He retired from the game in August of 2016 and now has brought some great entertainment off the ice with something familiar to all of our listeners that I'm sure we'll get into in more detail, the Cam and Strict podcast. Oh, and he was never afraid to drop the mitts, regarded one of the toughest NHL forcers in the game. Cam Jansen, Cam, how's it going? And thank you for taking the time to come on the show. Oh, God, when you read off my stats, it's like a huge buzzkill. Honestly, what's up, guys? Dude, you guys are in Sault Ste. Marie? Oh, yeah, man, I love going up there and playing, man. Good old Sioux. It's getting a little cold up there for you boys. Oh, the you know what? Happily, right now at this current time while we're recording, uh, there's no snow yet, but I know there's lots in southern Ontario, which is kind of different because in southern Ontario, they usually get the snow last, but we're we're not getting hit with it yet. But we are in Sioux, St. Marie, Ontario, and we're also based in Sioux, Michigan. So we got both sides of the border covered. And I know, <laughs> you, I know you got familiarity playing uh, against the Sioux, St. Marie Greyhounds here. Oh, yeah, dude. Freezing cold, getting off the bus. And they have to open the hatch. And then you get in the locker room like, oh, God, uh, there's just no way you could possibly warm up. Oh, yeah. And they always have a tough team, you know. I think Colt King was on that team a couple of times. They had some bad boys. It was fun. I loved it, man. 
uh, some tough guys. I know that obviously the old gardens, we have a new gardens here in Sault Ste. Marie. And I can tell you right now, the old gardens is legendary. Okay. It's old school. It was freezing ish in that rink. If I remember correctly, but some tough cookies, including yourself, it came in and out of that rink. And I had, I had a fun time reading your stats. I think the penalty minutes are better than points. If I'll just tell you. <laughs> yeah. You know, but the thing is, to be honest with you, when the game was changing after the Oh four lockout and it sped up, Having penalty minutes wasn't a good thing. So those are all just fighting majors. You know, you can get away with a lot more stuff in the 90s with like roughing and this, that, and the other. Where when you uh, later on in, in, in hockey, the game evolved to where you can't, you get a penalty. If you get a stupid penalty, a hooking or just something dumb, not a hitting call, you're, you're you know, you look like a jackass and you're probably going to sit. So, um, you know, not having a ton of penalties, I mean, you'd have to play a lot of minutes to get those. Yeah, definitely. That's the whole point. You get, if you get those penalty minutes, you play a lot of minutes, though, and obviously yep. just a tough, tough cookie overall. But right off the hop, I, and, and sort of kidding here, if you're playing today, would, would, would anyone be able to give you a run for your money dropping the gloves? Let's get real. Let's, let, let, I'll let you be cocky here right up front if you want. Is there anyone to keep up with you on the ice fighting right now? And I have a feeling you might say Ryan Reeves, but I'm not too sure. Oh, God. Right now? Oh, my God. Probably half the league would kick my ass. you kidding me? I'm chilling, dude. I don't want to take a punch anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? You've already done that. Oh, yeah, you don't dude, need to I'm do done. it anymore. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, all those guys right now, they're all in shape, you know? Uh, but, yeah, there's still guys. I mean, anybody can beat up anybody, man. Honestly, at any time, really. If you Anybody, honestly, with it, with it, if you're strong enough and you somewhat know what you're doing, you could, you could get – anybody can get anybody a fight and catch them with a good one. So – um, but would I, would, you know, would I be terrified? Would I worry like I did when big boys were cruising around like the Bugars and stuff? No. And you'd play more. It'd be actually kind of nice. Yeah, no, that's you know what the old time I say this on a lot of guests that we've had on the show. Nothing beats pre-lockout time. You know, I just I feel like. It's great to see the game nowadays and with the, with the speed and talent that's out there. And pretty soon it seems like we're going to see a game without hitting. I'm just I'm just kidding. Hopefully it never happens. Uh, but nonetheless, it seems the game that it was before it was tough. Like you watch those classic games that are on tele- television, both here in Canada and also in the States. And you look at some of those two hands people had to take with those Sherwood PMPs across the wrists or, you know, nowadays. Oh, taking- dude. They're taking slashes from Bauer Nexus X's, whatever the heck they're called, and they're they're they weigh light as a feather. You get slashed by that, you're gonna break your stick before you get it broken over the wrist. Whereas the other way around before. Well, we're people are shooting a puck a lot harder now too, and you're going a lot faster, so the collisions are bigger. Not necessarily now, but after the lockout, though. Look, if you watch those games in the '90s, look at the hooking and clutching. No one could get speed going on a defenseman. It was so horrible. Like you watch it now, and you're like, oh my god. It's so ridiculous. And then they had the lockout and it opened everything up. And personally for me, it helped me out so much because none of the defensemen could hold me up at all. And I was quick enough to get around them. And then uh, the other defenseman is forced to take a hit one-on-one because you can't hold anybody up. So it opened the game up so much. And if you do look back and watch those games, the rough stuff always was there. The big heavies were throwing, you know, the heavies were cruising around doing their thing. But the hooking and clutching was so damn ridiculous it's actually hard to watch sometimes. In my oh, yeah. well, I've been watching it too lately. I've been watching it a ton lately, uh, all the old games. And it, like you said, it's amazing how slow it was back in the day. Yeah. But like you said, like as a, I, you know, you were a winger as well. And, uh, you know, when you're playing down the wing, like the defenseman would grab a hold of your arm and like hold on for dear life when they pinch down 
I remember that, like, you know, I, I'm almost like carrying him and as I'm trying to get away as fast as I can, but he's still holding my arm and there's still no call. You had to do whatever you could to get that guy's arm off you before there was a call at all. It's ridiculous. And imagine, you know, whenever after a game, you, know, you take your jersey off and you look at your stomach and it looks like Freddy Krueger, like, like <laughs> took his hands and like slashed you oh, because yeah. people would like hook you up if. You know, like just one little hook, it just like he'll splinter and it'll 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 scar you up. Imagine back then if you're like Brett Hall trying to get around, getting open, everybody's just hooking you with those wooden sticks, and you you look like you got run over by a lawnmower or something. But it, again, it's ridiculous. It's it, I the, I love the way the superstars were in the '90s. Burry, Roenick, like all the Holly, all those guys, they were huge. The goals were ridiculous. Actually, the beginning, later on, they really weren't. But that that era was huge, and the superstars were huge. But again, that the hooking and clutching is oh. the, was the biggest thing. Where I'm like, oh my god, like the game could have been a ton better if they would have figured that out a long time ago. Oh, the goalies weren't strong either before. Like you can see some of the goals uh, that goalies and this is the way goalies were. You can tell that the development on the goaltending end has certainly improved as uh, the equipment got better and the game got better. <laughs> Well, yeah. the goalies are also bigger than the forwards, and <laughs> yeah. they're yeah. massive. Yeah. You know, yeah. You go ahead, guys. No, no. Yeah, you have the smaller type guys like Kelly Rudy's, right? You have, uh, well, Grant Fear wasn't as small as Kelly, if I remember correctly, or they're close to it, but they're still smaller guys that were pretty dominant. But you look at their stances, and it's like, what the heck? If, if you did that now, I feel like you'd let in ten plus goals. <laughs> you well, know what I mean? You, but you also got to look at the three monsters that came out of there, and that's Patrick Waugh. Marty Bredor and Dominic Hoschett, those guys came up and they were kind of different. They were kind of all over the place. Like Marty was like kind of acrobatic. And of course, Hoschett had his own style and they just like those guys, they figured out how to be really, really good. And, and, and people kind of, the goalies kind of evolved after that. And then there was no scoring basically in the late nineties. It, it, it changed shit up. So yeah, it's just funny how goalies can, you know, superstar players can change the game a little bit, you know? Yeah, I see. Now, you were born in St. Louis, and obviously you got the luxury of playing uh, for the St. Louis Blues, but we'll get to that in a little bit. I want to talk about St. Louis from a minor hockey perspective. Kind of a weird turn here, but since you were born in St. Louis, I want you to talk about the minor hockey in St. Louis in terms of development for you at your time of the youth in particular, because I know it's changed in the city of St. Louis. I think we might even get to this later on as well, but the popularity of hockey has changed overall. People look at St. Louis, and I've had some friends, in particular Matt D'Agostini, who's played in St. Louis. And nothing- <laughs> Dags. It's a great compliment of St. Louis. Let's right? see. Tell Dagsy I said, what's up? Oh, he's so funny. Oh, he's got I loved him. He's up after surgery right now in Switzerland, but he's... Uh, oh, he's still playing, eh? Damn. Yeah. I no, listen, I know what your question you're asking. No, that's not, that's, no I'll, I'll explain exactly how it was. So for me, it, personally... I, you know, my parents didn't play. No one in my family played ever, but they loved the blues. My dad would take me to Cardinals games and, and blues games, two big and, and Rams games at the time, too. But really the, the two. And I'd go to Cardinals games, which most people in the city, they love the Cardinals. And I would go there and I'd be like, oh, da, 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 like looking around like, oh, cool. You know, the game's going. Oh, what? Somebody you'd hear people go. Oh, yay. And then you look and like, oh, the baseball went there and they threw it. And they're like, OK, I never got into it. But then my dad took me down to the Blues games early at this, like, crappy, you know, the uh, the arena early days. And he would take me to the glass. And I would watch, like, 
the guys up close flying around Holy and like Twister, Chaser and Twister would like beat beat somebody up so bad he'd take his jersey off and like flex and the crowd's going crazy. Like you you felt the emotion. It was like, oh my God. I'm like, I want to be that guy. I want to do this. And it just got me. So my dad got me into uh to learn to skate. I well, first off, I started rollerblading. And that's how we get into it. So, see, in, in St. Louis, you can't skate outside all the time. Like, it doesn't happen unless you want to die and drown because you'll fall in because the weather is so, you know, it's wishy-washy here. But we just rollerbladed and got, got used to doing that. And then I got into learn to skate. But really, three years in, I started rollerblading when I was nine. And then I played ice hockey when I was 10. Well, maybe I'll say, I'll say this. I started rollerblading at eight, which is pretty late. And then my dad got me into learned to skate with ice hockey, and I kind of played a year and got into AAA and just kind of went boom, 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 boom. But going up to different uh, areas and traveling around because nobody wanted to play us because we were pretty bad, um, and we didn't really have a setup down here and everything, it was it was tough financially, very, very tough. You know, my parents would have to drive a lot. But uh, we figured it out and uh, kind of worked our way um, and got noticed, really. Yeah, and see the city of St. Louis overall too with, with baseball with the Cardinals, they are so passionate about the Cardinals. Like that's just an overall just a good market. And for yeah, yourself yeah. to to start as late as you did, going to that when you were eight rollerblading and then jumped in the skates when you were 10, 10, 10, 10 years old, that 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 is a later start. But you seem to have caught on quick, obviously with it when it when it happened. So you were a natural right from the start. No, I wouldn't say that. Na- I, I was an athlete and I I played every other sport. So I just like got into rollerblading real quick and I'm like, well, I could do this. It's the same as running, but you just got to do a different little thing. You know, you just kind of figure it out. But I was a good athlete because my parents got me into every kind of sport. And, you know, and in hockey, I just liked it because you could hit guys, man. I, you could hit, you were free in hockey, right? I didn't like football because it's like, oh, go this way, do this, go that way. Or in hockey, it's like, just go, go play the game, read and react, build speed up crush guys you could act tough you could be you know it's just the coolest thing and i just got into it but the blues were the reason why it wasn't because hockey was big here so really we had to really figure a lot of things out i mean no one no one made the nhl um yet or i don't even think played in the ohl so everything was a, a very new experience for my family and we just again figured it out (laughs) that's the way that's the hockey world without money way to go for sure you see and that honestly with with the ohl we're gonna jump into that but uh, jumping in i'm kind of taking brooksy's thunder here with this but that's fine as hockey as a whole grew in the world and kind of sticking with st louis in this kind of kind of way but the changes in the city must have gone through with hockey just progressed right especially with the blues weighing the cup in 2019 uh, like obviously this is something that you you would keep up with being you know being from st louis and obviously with kind of connected with the blues organization did did winning the stanley cup in 2019 just kind of change everything in, in the perspective of being even more popular or was it always popular there the blues and just people never focused on it or should i be blunt and say that can you I'll give you the whole history real quick in a brief synopsis real quick. Okay, 67, they came. Bobby Plager, all the boys. They went to Stanley Cup, lost. Hockey was big. Did anybody play? Not really. The, you know, hockey didn't really become big until they started like in the 70s where there would be, you know, rinks and things like that. The 80s were kind of tough. It wasn't really big. No one's made it yet. And then all of a sudden, late 80s, early 90s, a guy came into town with a 
golden mullet that knew how to score 86 a year, and he changed the city. And now everybody's like, whoa, let's go watch this guy. He was such a superstar, Brett Hall. It was unbelievable. And my generation got into it when he came. And my like me and Brandon Bullig and Pat Maroon and all Ben Bishop and Paul Stasny and Jan Stasny and all the guys that made it from St. Louis got into hockey. Now, the Stasny's got into hockey because of their daddy, but I shouldn't even count them, to be honest with you. But everybody else, and we got into it because of Brett Hall. He was gigantic. I mean, we wanted a guy, he was in McDonald's, he was in all these commercials, and I got to meet him young, and you just became obsessed with him. And then you watched the rest of the, how the game is with Twister and those guys and fighting, and God, it was just unbelievable. And we we just became obsessed with it, and I'm like, I want to do it. And my dad just kind of just said, let's go, and we did it. So um, that's, that's, but again, oh yeah, I didn't even get to finish it. So Holly came in, we all, we all got into hockey. The Blues were really good. They didn't, they didn't miss the playoffs. And all of a sudden, they kind of went through some different jams here and there. And they went through a really bad part, right? Right after the 4 lockout in St. Louis. People in hockey in St. Louis were still playing. But the Blues organization was like 13,000. I remember playing here when I was with the Devils. First time I got to play here. St. First kid to play back in St. Louis. The Blues hooked all my parents up in the, in the, you know, up in the box with signs and this, that, and the other. And I fought Jacqueline that night, by the way. But there was, there was like 10,000 people there. And we're like, damn. And it just went through a weird phase. And then, and then all of a sudden, Oshi and all those guys came, Berglund, Perron. And that, that era came, come grow with us. And they were pretty good because the young kids were good. TJ Oshi was like superstar. And then all of a sudden, they were good since then. And then you win the cup. And now a new generation is going to be coming in. You like that answer? Sorry. I've said this before. Yeah, great <laughs> answer. Great answer. Um, I want to travel back a bit because, you know, being from St. Louis, uh, it's not normal that a guy comes from the States to go to the OHL. So I'm just kind of curious how that happened. You know, you know, a kid from St. Louis uh, and uh, you end up in uh, the OHL. How, tell me how this all came about. Well, I was murdering guys at AAA, man. I mean, that's just the bottom line. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I was going up to Canada every weekend with my dad and going to these tournaments and just crushing guys and scoring and getting noticed and being like a, you know, like just intense. And, you know, and then all the scouts like, who, who, who the hell is this kid? And the parents would hate me. And my dad would have to sit in the corner and watch it because like the moms said, yeah, I mean, because I, I honestly was hurting guys. And, yeah. and, and you know, my dad would drive us all the way up to, you know, Detroit. And my, and my coach would give us a big pop-up speech before the game. And I came and I got, we'd go out there first shift. And I would bury this kid in this big tournament. First shift because I was so pumped up. I hit him so weird that, not weird, but hard that it just, he got hurt. Kicked out of the whole tournament. Turn around, drive all the way back home. Just biggest waste of time. So that happened all the time too. But I had all these uh, scouts up there, man. I, I had an agent. Like They all came up to my dad when he was sitting there. You know, all kinds of agents and stuff like that. So when you go up there and you make noise, they're there watching, you know? Yeah. That's what my dad always said. They're going to find you. You know, if you're good enough or you do something good enough, they're going to find you. Yeah. They yeah. weren't watching. They didn't go up that particular. So we're in big tournaments. Like we're in all like the Marley tournaments. I guess Rick Nash yeah. and uh, whatever, you know, all the big 84s, you know, 1984 uh, birthday. So you could be the St. Louis AAA team like, oh, yay. But you're playing against the Marlies, and then you go out there and you're just running guys. So uh, actually, some of those teams would 
uh, tell my dad, and, and I'd fly up there in the summertime when, after the AAA season's over, and I'd play in tournaments with all these like cool Canadian teams and stuff like that. It would be it'd be really cool. And again, you're just getting notice and notice, and all you know, and your agents talking to people, and then all of a sudden, you know, the, uh, Mike Kelly from Windsor is like, "Yeah, I got to take a look at this kid," and I got drafted. Went to their draft and I got drafted in third uh, third round, right by Dustin Brown, who had the same age as me, Scott Norton. It was awesome. See, and that and Canadians like surprise like we at that age in the the 80s and 90s hitting was just everything. That's oh. what that's what the Canadian hockey boys were known of. But a lot of people here in Canada got to got to remember that it was the same way with the United States players. Okay, I know a lot of Canadian youth we we see one dimensionally in terms of where hockey stands, but there's a lot of tough, talented, and I that came out of the United States in that way too. And like, I remember playing as well with the United States teams and I fucking hated playing American teams. Cause the guys are so fast. They were talented. And for some reason they never gave up. You'd knock them down. If you're bigger than a guy or even small, whatever it is that a guy, they get right back up and they got your number and you know, you're getting clocked next shift or whatever. There was never anything tougher than playing American teams. And not a lot of Canadians will admit that, but I know I would. Dave, great show. You just forgot something. So let me jump in real quick. We want to give a big shout out to our friends at Living Sisu for keeping the game sports show connected to some exclusive deals on supplements, workout classes, and everything in between to help maintain a healthy lifestyle. If you want the same exclusive deals like Dave and the rest of the team have, Stay connected with Living Sisu at living.sisu on Instagram. Now, Dave, back to you. Hey, Dave, pump the brakes for a second, buddy. It's my turn now. I'm former first-rounder Rob Shrimp, and I got a message for your listeners. Head on over to 44visionhockey.com and check out our online coaching platform. Back to you, Dave. Enjoy the show. I'm Listen to me. I'm an American through and through, baby. Yep. I'm right from the middle of America. Don't you tell me this. Or I'll tell you, well, let me explain something to you. Just let me explain something. When we went up to Canada, we were scared shitless of you guys. And really? that is a fact. Now, I'm not talking about the Minnesota boys. I'm talking about the St. Louis AAA. When they, we went up to these big old, this, these small towns up in Canada playing these teams with these big-ass Canadian farm boy tough playing <laughs> hockey since they're, are you kidding me? Yeah. We were, yeah. I had to take Joey Vitale and guys on my team and make them do push-ups and take my shirt off just to intimidate when we're playing these ki- these guys were killers man and they would run my they would run our team so bad yeah i was crushing guys but they had big guys too and it oh dude we were so intimidated you big ass canadian boys are you kidding uh uh-uh, uh not in st louis now it's a different story now the st louis triple a teams are dominant like they you know with kachucks and all that were in it you know they're just dominant and killing but back then when we played huh, uh-uh. No teeth up there, dude. You guys have been playing since you're two years old, man. I got to give yeah. you guys props. I uh, love that. Now, you played in the OHL for Windsor for two and a half years before you were dealt to Guelph. I might be incorrect on the, on the season out there, but you That's were right. – we're in Guelph. You played in the Memorial Cup that year, but before that, you even won the OHL championship to get there, which is an 0304. And despite the noble members that you had on Windsor, some great teammates that you had there in Windsor, but you move over to Guelph, uh, where the likes of Dan Girardi, which I think Brooksy knows Dan Girardi quite well. Oh, yeah. uh, 
then Ryan Callahan, Martin St. Pierre, who absolutely tore it up his last year. Yes. Game. Yes. And he didn't play a lot of NHL games. Okay. We have a lot of players we've had on this show, including Corey Locke, who was in the same situation when he was in the National Hockey League, tore it up in the AHL, didn't get too much of a chance in the National Hockey League. But going deep with that team overall, with Windsor, playoff wise, winning it all, going to the Mem Cup. You got to go through the memories of that year because that's pivotal for your hockey career, right? The junior just makes you that oh, exposure, everything of such. Well, I tell you this: it was, you know, I had to leave my family, seventeen, get drafted by Windsor, go up there to Windsor. It was so awesome, man. And <clears throat> I had to live with an eighty-five-year-old billet family. They were bizarre, but <laughs> you know, you, there's the first time I got to play in front of fans, really, right? I played juniors in my hometown here, but we didn't have fans. It's just my high school buddies come watch me play. But it was still, I was still fighting guys and stuff like that. But once I got to Windsor, now you can become somebody, right? You know, the, all that stuff that you think about. Like, I always thought in AAA, like, I could always – I want to play in front of people. And, she, you know, like, I love that. Like, be an entertainer kind of thing, you know? Put a show on. Go, you know? And then once you get to Windsor and you go out there and those fans are just crazy for that shit. And I just went out there and just did it. And and it was fun for them. It was it was it was awesome. And I was really like intimate with all of them too, right? Like I talked to them and do all this. Like I embraced all that. It was so fun. But then you get through that, and then the team wasn't great. And then you go to Guelph, and you're on a really really good team. So this is like a different, you know. There I was just like a popular guy. Yeah, I just put on a show, and then all of a sudden I get to Guelph. And you're like, okay, you're on a really good team. You need to be a player. Let's go. Find your, you know, but it's not just like sideshow stuff. Go be intimidating, you know, wrecking ball. Put, you know, score here and there and do your thing. Be a good, you know, whatever it is. And then you just, your mindset changes and you become a player. And it was like the best thing. And you played great in the playoffs and be a presence there and stuff like that. It was, that whole situation was the best thing for us. Although when we got to the, the Mem Cup, I think we partied a little too much. And we had a couple of bad bounces and we lost, but it's all good. Good experience one way or the other. So, uh, so after this, you get into, you know, your draft year, it's coming up. Uh, you end up getting drafted to the New Jersey Devils. You know, was this something that you knew you were going there or, you know, was this a shock to you, you know, when your name's called and uh, that's where you're headed? No, I, I had a feeling it was going to happen, man. You know, I had a good, my first year, like I led, had like 45 fights, you know, I had like 25 points, you know, my draft year, my first, you know, just real loud. Got a lot of attempt. I'm like, yeah, you know, I knew they, my agent said second to fourth, you know, so where my, my family was up there, my billets were up there. I went through the combine and all that stuff. It was, so I knew something was going to happen. I didn't know when. And, uh, but once that happened, it was just so awesome, man. There's kind of a funny story. Um, I'm sitting there. I, t- I did, I tell a story a lot. I'm sitting there next to, uh, my my billet family, my mom and dad, my agent, Aaron Niddle, who plays on Windsor with me, I'm supposed to get drafted too, kind of the same rounds. He's right next to us. So the the the, uh, the it, you know the teams go by and you get kind of restless after a while. It, you do because you might like, is this are they ever going to call your name? People are talking. You've been talking to your buddies about it for the last like who knows how long, bragging about yourself back home because at that age you're just trying to prove to everybody who you are in St. Louis because no one really gets the hockey thing. So, you know, I'm like, oh, my God, am I going to embarrass myself come up here for nothing? That's still in your mind, even like the third round's going by. So, anyway, Devils come up. I knew it was probably time. I knew that we they talked to me. I talked to Lou, really excited, uh, thinking that they're going to be the guys that uh, the team is going to draft me. 
So they go up there and they say, from the Windsor Spitfires. And I'm like, oh, baby, here we go. And me and my dad jump up and we're like, yeah, Aaron Middle. <laughs> and I'm like, go. I'm like, oh, hey, Nitsy, congratulations, buddy. And we're like, oh, my God. Yeah. Now, I'm, now I'm rattled, though. Now I'm rattled, though. Now I'm like a being a being a princess. I'm rattled, like, oh, my God. And, you, you know, I'm a kid, man. Like, you know, this is your mind's going through a million different things, you know. So anyway, the next time comes around. And finally, Lou comes back up there again, or David Conti, whoever it was, and they mention my name. And everybody else gets up, and they're all, you know, everybody else is real proper, like, hello, oh, hello, congratulations. Or me and my dad, you know, jump up and, you know, clap hands and kind of scream, make a little scene, because we were pumped up. And it was just awesome. It was such an awesome day, man. It honestly was. And then came back home, had a party at the house. With all my buddies, when my mom and dad were kind of stuck in Detroit, it was like the best case scenario. So we, it just a night I'll never forget. I'll tell you that. Yeah, that's amazing that you had that experience. And uh, so after you're drafted, do you uh, does New Jersey keep tabs on you and kind kind of try to help you improve your game at this time? Hell you know, yeah. Get, to get to get you ready, you know, for the big time. Hell yeah, dude. Oh, they're on. Yeah. The, but I had a trainer and everything too. So, okay, so right after I got drafted, Lou was awesome. He signed me right away. He knew my parents didn't have much money. They're going through a tough time <clears throat> financially. He knew that. I'm a rugged kid. I had a, I, I, you know, he knew I was a good kid, and I worked hard, and I was very tough, and I knew how to hit guys, and he could make me into something and, and whatever. And so they signed me right away, and, and I, you know, I, I got some couple hundred grand at 18. Then you know you have money to work out, take care of yourself, whatever the case is, help out your mom and dad, just to make yourself more comfortable so you could focus on building you up for these next couple of years or next training camp or whatever it is. So I got lucky. It was a fun time in my life to finally get a little bit of money. Like, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I probably could have saved a little bit. I mean, we party pretty hard with that. Oh, yeah. You know, you, you got to show off to your buddies, man. Those guys, you know, you're 18, you get a couple hundred grand. Like, you're like, whoa, okay. And your own little bubble, you're, it's like pretty cool. You're not Tom Cruise, don't get me wrong, but in your old little world, you think you are. Yeah. You, <laughs> just you get that check, you're like, okay, where's the nearest bar or where's the nearest oh, liquor store or where's the nearest club oh. I can go to and party my fucking face off? Well, you know that they are, you are in their timeline. Like, you just kind of go bring the heat every night and do your thing and keep building. Like, working out was always good. Like, I always knew how to work out and train hard. And if, even if I did party, man, I always – the next day I would be like, oh, pissed at myself, and then you go harder. Now, that could bite you in the ass because you, your body needs to rest and chill, so you keep doing that shit. You're going to – you can't, you, you can't burn, in, uh, burn uh, the candle at both, both ends, but at that age, you kind of can. But the point is, yeah, man, it, that was a good spot for him to kind of throw that coin at us right off the bat, get, get our trainers down, do this, do that, and – build up going to training camp, but he kept tabs on, on everyone, but I didn't have to go up to the summer thing with them. Right. Or the, or like rookie camp or anything like that. I went straight to main camp, which is awesome. Huh. So you rate, rate to that. You didn't have, yeah, well, yeah, well, well, that's a big thing, you know, like back then uh, to skip, you know, the, you know, the training camp uh, where all the young guys go and uh, to go right to the main camp, that's a huge step. And that's where, you know, that's why they gave you the money. That's why they want you there. And uh, obviously you worked real hard to do that. Yeah, no, no, it was great. And and so it was, uh, but the reason why is he knew I had a trainer here and I was doing the right thing. Right. You know, because some of these kids, they don't know how to do anything. 
They, yeah. But even back then, though, they didn't. Like, they'd go home, like, oh, I'll go to the gym with my buddy. What are we doing? We're, we, you know, my trainers were, you know, ex, you know, uh, blues player, Rick Wilson, unbelievable. And I had all the guys like Patty Maroon, and we'd all compete with each other. And even if we went out the night before, we were so competitive with each other. And at that time, Patty wasn't doing it, but eventually it morphed into all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it was, we, working out was, was when I went to camp, Lou looks at you up and down and, and Mike Vassilani, the trainer looks you up and down, you know, and he knows who's working out and who's not. So I never had to do that. Go to summer with the young guys shit. And I'm, I'm glad. Yeah. You know, while you mentioned Rick Wilson, that's a former first round pick who obviously uh, died pretty young. If I remember the story correctly back in. Yeah. Oh, I know. I was uh, in Nottingham when happened, when that happened too. Yeah. I was in Nottingham. Yeah. It's in like, What's sticking with St. with St. Louis House? No, we'll go to that in a second. New Jersey with Lou. That's one thing that I was gonna bring up a bit later on. But you mentioned Lou a couple times, and oh yeah, okay. Lou Lamorello. You get so much. Everything with the media, you see, as a GM, every, there's been people thinking of controversial moves that he made. No, I, I really don't. I really don't think so. I think he's one of the best GMs to ever be a GM, but also was a good coach. People forget that he coached, too, at a specific period, but obviously he's known for his GM side. So him, was he kind of someone that, you know, given him believing in you, just must have given you that extra spark as a player to be like, you know what, they believed in me. They gave me this spot. They signed me. I'm able to go get the couple hundred grand in my pocket, be able to get give comfort for myself and my family. I mean, I want to go extra hard for this guy and this organization, despite that you were obviously a Blues fan. <laughs> dude, Lou is like the, one of the most important people ever in my life. Ever, 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 dude. I learned more besides my father. Okay, my mom who I love dearly, who was by our side. But I had a click with my dad throughout my childhood hockey. I needed my dad by my side to guide me through my stitches and just like hockey. Like it just, I just needed him. And then after a while, I needed somebody else to take me to a different internal hockey level, right? My dad can't tell me, hey, you got to take the puck on the wall or, or you have to be this way. At this point when I was 18, man, like I was doing whatever I wanted. I had my own home. I bought a house next to my parents. You know, like I just was kind of, I needed that extra guidance, dude, that discipline at that stage. And Lou was the perfect, it was perfect. That man, I respect that man more than, oh my God. He made me, he made me, become a man and how to deal with different things and how to play the game and be, be the, do the role. And he never had to tell me to do anything. I just figured it out because I was so interested in him that I would be, you know, I just, I, I wanted to, I wanted to perform for him and didn't want to let him down, put it that way. And still he's doing, he's literally still doing the job today. Oh, perfect with the Islanders okay like what he's doing there with New York you know after they lose John Tavares to Toronto everyone's thinking that it's backpedal time in Long Island but then the young young or comes in this young buzzsaw where number one three of Matt Barzell and he gets, yeah, a couple, he gets a couple dudes in there that are just absolute fire and Eberle's redone his career there but then bring it bringing in the big cheese Barry Trotz and we've talked about Barry Trotz enormously on the show in particular even with Nathan Parrott who gave him so much praise with Barry with Barry Trotz like the way that Lou does his job 
okay, it, it's amazing. So when you say that you respect him, I could just imagine, you know, just being a fan of Lou, just how great of a guy that he is. And just to be able to hear that story is so, it's so rewarding. And in 05-06, that's the season that you get called up to the Devils, right? Like, where were you, like, like what was going through your mind? You know, you, you finally get that call up to New Jersey, get the start in the National Hockey League. Well, did did stuff go on the locker room? Did they prank you, put tape on your blades? Were they too afraid to do that? Like, how did that first experience <laughs> go when you were on the ice? You're like, holy shit, the St. Louis kid who learned how to rollerblade when he was eight, started skating like around 10 and then transit, made the OHL. You know, you traveled through Canada to, you know, develop and play the AAA system in different tournaments. You go to the OHL, you get the Ontario Hockey League experience. Now you blink. I'm sure you look back when you're 10, you're like, shit, time has flown by. Now you're on the ice wearing the New Jersey Devils colors and you're on your first game holy shit where were you when you got that call what's going through your mind well I'll tell you I'll set it up where you know 0405 there's a lockout remember that right so I get drafted you know I go in in my 18 I go in there I play a couple preseason games fight Vandermeer blah 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 then we go into the 04 year and that lockout happened and that's when me and like Brian McGratton had like 45 fights that year. And like, we're breaking like fighting record. It was like psychotically. Remember that Leo's I mean, everybody had like five shit kickers and we're, like McGratton would always like, we would be tied in fighting majors and he would, I was trying to get him a penalty minutes, but he kept getting freaking 10 minute misconducts at the end of games. Cause he'd, he'd tell the ref to give him a 10 just to pump up his penalty minutes. And if he tells you ever that he didn't do that, tell him to fuck off. Cause he's lying. Oh, <laughs> uh, he's the best by the way. Um, but anyway, so that all happened. And I, you know, like, fuck, now I know I could fight against men, right? When I was, blow, you know, bulldozing through guys and juniors with fights and hit, like all that, you, they're my age, dude. Like, now what are you doing? I didn't play my overage year. I played, I played in that right after my junior year. I played in that lockout year with the psychos running around. Were you in that league? Did you play in that, that year, too? Did you, Rooksy? Rooksy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You Remember that league, how crazy that was? Mm-hmm. In 04, it, during American League, during the lockout? Yeah, all yeah the everyone guys was, was there. Yeah, yeah. it was, a, it was yeah, perfect. I was in, Real. It's a great hockey. I was in Worcester at the time. There was St. Louis's organization. I was in their farm team then. And, uh, yeah, it was it was such a – it was just such a difference. The level, yeah. it was higher level. It was tougher. It was – well, it, that year it was the NHL. Dude, exactly. That's exactly right. That's exactly what I tell people. You had all kinds of guys coming down, and then, like, fucking guys would come down and try to play. But um, anyway, that was awesome for me personally, right? So then the next year, I'm like, I could beat up men now, right? I could hang and hit and fucking get in there and be be my guy I was in juniors going against another 18, 19-year-olds. Like, oh, good good for you. Now you're going against 31-year-olds that have been fucking being bad motherfuckers for a fucking long time. And you're like, oh, there. You could see, you could, I could see the weather and the scars on their face, and be like, whoo, goddamn boy, oh, you've been in some. And Stop. that you're like, okay, you know what I'm saying, Brooksy? You know exactly what I'm oh, saying yeah. too. Hundred percent. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Then you're like, okay, now you're doing, now you're getting in there, fucking playing your game against men. So now I got confidence going into next year. And I'll tell you a story real quick. And I know I'm kind of rambling, but it is what it is. You're allowed so, <laughs> so I'm, so that that year they, I, Lou probably didn't know if I was ready, but he probably did. But I think he wanted to, to send a message and, and do whatever. So that year they signed 
right after the lockout year, they signed only Juan Langdon. And God, I remember hearing about that in the summer. I'm like, fuck. I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, oh no. They signed him, whatever case is. So I go to training camp, awesome training camp, have just, you know, just great fights, scoring a couple goals, believe it or not, getting my hits down. And that's, and that's key with me. Like I had to be able to hit guys consistently. And that, besides the fights, dude, the hitting was what got me more attention than anything. And from Lou and all that, getting in there and be able to crush guys and then defend yourself and put on a show. And so I was doing that. And then finally I get, um, I'm in, God, I'm in Springfield, and I, I had an awesome game. And uh, I fight that Mitch Fritz or something who's huge. My oh, parents, yeah. my like parents six, are in seven. town. <laughs> my parents are in town, right? And um, and I, I, we're in the hotel that night after the game. I'm in their hotel eating pizza with my mom and dad, drinking beer, watching the Devils play on TV. Because I'm in Spring, or I'm in Albany now, get home, hanging out with my mom and dad. And I'm watching the Devils play on TV. So they're playing the Rangers. And they have a back-to-back. So they're playing the Rangers at Madison Square Gardens tomorrow night. So me and my dad are sitting there with my mom. And we're we're just chilling. I'm in a good mood. Fucking doing it. I'm fucking bringing it. I'm a man out there. You know, your confidence. You got to get that confidence. You're young. I'm 20, 21 years old, whatever. And uh, and my dad looks at me. And this kid on the ice, Ryan Hallwig, was running guys on Jersey. Running everybody. He was, you know what I'm talking about. Running everybody. I swear to God, my dad turns and looks at me and goes, you're going to get called up. And I'm like, I look at him. I'm like, okay. Five seconds later, the phone rings. I swear to God. And I'm like, pick up. And it's Robbie Satorik. He's like, Cam, I got to talk to you. I'm like, what's up, Robbie? What up? And he he was fucking awesome, by the way. I mean, unbelievable. I love Robbie Satorik. So he goes, you're not playing tomorrow against Manchester. I'm like, oh, Robbie. I mean, we had a great relationship even at that age. I go, Robbie, come on, my parents are in town. God damn it. Like, what did I do? What did I do? You know, freaking out. And he goes, shut up, Ken. You're not playing because you just got <laughs> called up to Madison Square Gardens. You're playing against yeah, the Rangers tomorrow night. My mom and dad are in town. We freak out. It was, like, unbelievable. We drive down there, stay in a hotel, do our thing, play against the Rangers. Dude, it was, it was fucking sick. Perfect. It was actually a, you know, you could, I don't know, it's a cool it's a, you know, you could write a story like that for me. Like yeah. that just gave awesome. me chills. That's fucking yeah, amazing. You know, it's, it's, it's just so cool. Cause I could just picture you just sitting there and, uh, oh man, I, that must've been just unbelievable. And going into the biggest arena, one of the biggest <laughs> arenas in the world in the NHL. I got rocked and, dude, first shift. Yeah, I yeah. got rocked by Oh, Darius. <laughs> that motherfucker. What a man. Oh yeah. He's awesome. Oh, by yeah. the way. He's a fucking awesome guy, by the way. He oh, was scary. Yeah, he rocked me. But then I got oh, him yeah. back. It, yeah, yeah, it was great. But, it was well, great. But speaking of Hallway, that little fucker, I had I fought Hallway a few times. But yeah, he used to run around all the time. And I remember when he got called up because we were actually supposed to play against him, and he got called up. And I'm like that little fuck because I wanted to go at him again because he did. He'd run around. He'd hit you dirty too. Yeah, he, he would. Dirty. He would. Stupid. And that's yeah. And that's the one thing I noticed about you because you hit like a truck. Because I ran into you a few times, thankfully only a couple, but you always hit clean, you know? Well, not really. <laughs> no, I mean, no, I, I wouldn't hit guys from behind. I never did that shit. Yeah. But I get, I, I love the open ice hits, man. I was able to angle guys, and I used to fucking get them coming out of the zone and time it where the D would come around the net, and he'd look up the ice like, where am I going to go? I'm going to go to right or left. 
Then he'd go to the right with it, and I'd come right at him. And he'd be like, oh, at the last minute, and I'd get him there. And then when they go back and get, I'd come around the net. So I would hit guys really, really hard, and they, you know, that way, so hard. I wanted to go in 100 miles an hour, and I'd bulldoze guys. So I would be dirty that way, but, like, hitting from behind and, like, stupid, weird, awkward, like, hits, like, where you slew foot shit. I don't do that any of that shit. But I would catch a fucking hit you in the fucking chin a couple of times. Might be on that, dude. <laughs> no better feeling than rocking somebody guaranteed. You know, someone oh, yeah. your body, you're like, yeah, you're channeling that. I'm like, I'm getting you. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I'm yeah. getting you. You're well, a shark. Well, speaking of that, well, speaking of that with your hitting is, I, you know, we talked about it is, you know, I got tripped on a play and you came flying across the ice and slid on your bum and gave me a, a body check to make sure it was under my, uh, it wasn't a head hit. Fucking guy rocking. Yeah, but that's still stupid tripped. though. But that's <laughs> but if you really think of break that down, that's stupid on my part. I you you know that's still dumb, right? Like you know I probably was just like, were you like you you I would go so hard at a guy and all of a sudden he'd be in a weird spot, so I'd have to put myself in a weird spot real quick or something, so it wouldn't you know I don't know. There, it's you're so adapting. You're you adapting fuck. You have game. to do whatever. <laughs> you have to do whatever, man. Like you're going 100 miles an hour. You, it's hard to like adjust. I get so mad at defensemen though. I, I would I would get I would get so mad instead of them being a man and taking the hit and, and protecting themselves, they would spin on me real quick. And and then you'd clobber them and you're like, dude, and you know, so that kind of change, you have to watch that a little bit. Where I'd come and I know they're gonna do that, and I'm like, God, I could fucking kill you. But I'd skate by, and then I'd chirp them the whole way. And then I then you tell the ref, like, look what he's doing to me. And then they won't they won't give it that happened at playoffs last year with Tampa. The, the guy, uh, I think it was Krug, and it was Tampa and, and Boston. Krug turned on him at the last second, Paquette, and he hit him. He's like, don't fucking turn like that. Take yeah. the hit. Brace yourself. You know, I don't know. I get so mad at that. I used to get so mad at that. If you're a small hockey player and you got a guy like Paquette, who I think is around 6'2", and Krug is 5'9", and if you're going to turn when a guy is close, I think that's around the sim- around the height. Maybe it's 5'10", for Krug. Probably put him a little shorter than what he is. But, you know, it, you, you don't turn. You know that's coward. You don't you don't do that. You take that hit because if you turn, you're gonna hurt yourself. Never mind, yeah. you're hurting yourself. You're gonna you're gonna you have a risk of a very big injury in terms of a neck injury if that happens, and maybe concussion, whatever comes out of that. But you can't if you make that turn, you're putting yourself in danger, and you're only yourself to blame for that. Dude, and hitter hitters yeah, hitters can't be responsible for guys putting themselves in vulnerable, vulnerable situations. You can't change the game and say, no, it's going to be – if they turn that way, you can't hit them. Well, no, no, don't turn that way. That will ruin the game. And so I'm glad the refs called it that way. But anyway, that they used to piss me off quite a bit. But I used to get guys on the back check a lot, man, where I'm back checking, and I know they only have a couple plays because the defenseman's going to squeeze them off, and they didn't know I was coming back. And you know what I'm talking Brooks, you know what I'm talking about. Where you come down the wing doing whatever, like I'm going to dump it in, maybe I'll cut to the middle. Well, you're going to only do two different things if you cut – even if you dump it in, you're still cutting to the middle and I'm going to get you. I used to catch guys that way big time. And then they would – I used to start getting suspended for it and they kind of changed the rules on it. <laughs> Not because of me, but we – a bunch of guys started. Yeah. You know, we're oh, yeah. Russian guys. Yeah. Oh, guys started – yeah, absolutely. They. Um, but I want to talk about – so, you know, you're in New Jersey. You were there for 47 games. And, uh, you know, there were some major personalities, some amazing superstars there. You got McGillney. You had Gomez, Barton. You know, was there anybody, you know, a guy there that you're like, I'm not going to forget this guy, you know, a guy that kind of had an influence on you while you were there? Dude, let me get a lot. 
let me give all y'all young kids little advice. When you're young and you go into a locker room and you know you're busting your ass for the guys and you're young and you're new and you got Hall of Famers everywhere and you are one of the only few young guys, maybe another guy with you, or maybe a couple of guys, maybe a couple of young guys, hang out and force yourself to hang out with the older guys. And that's exactly <laughs> what I did. Why the hell am I hanging out with these young kids that know nothing? I'm not going to learn much from them. They don't have any money. They don't know shit. Marty, what are you <laughs> doing tonight? Scott, Scotty Gomez, what you doing, dude? Hey, but I'm hanging out with you. Oh, Matt, Richard Mappachuk, Colin White, you know, any all these guys that I know. And I would just hang out with them. And they they accepted it. I bust my I'd be fighting guys for two minutes on the ice, this young kid. And I'm like, I'm hanging out with all you. Like, I don't, I'm hanging out with all you guys. And then you learn. And then you they talk about the game. And then you learn how they interact with people. You learn how they deal with other people, the business and the money and, and just everything and how to be not be cheap or, you know, just just a million different how to talk to a waiter. I don't know. Like I was a hillbilly, dude. You know, I played Windsor and then all of a sudden you're in Jersey and New York doing shit. And I'm like, I, I just want to see how these guys do shit. So it was fun. Plus, I was funny and they loved it. Trust me. Yeah, no. <laughs> And when you roll with those guys, when you go out, most likely if you go somewhere, you know, you're going to get recognized even more by the public or just fans overall. And it's just overall better image for you with Broder and Scotty Gomez, who's hilarious on Instagram. Oh, dude, dude, He's dude, hilarious dude. on Instagram. You know, it's it's funny. He, you know, that, that locker room, I look back and I'll be honest, you know, I used to when I grew up, I used to watch when I watched New Jersey a lot because New Jersey won. Right, they were successful. They always played the New Jersey Devils trap, and obviously that was when they won the cup. It went before when they played against the Ducks, which was one of the most legendary playoff Stanley Cups I've ever can ever recall. With Scott Stevens literally knocking off. No the God. Uh, but like that game, the way New Jersey was though, Marty Brodeur was a big heartbeat. Obviously, of that team goes without saying. But they always had talent coming out of there, and they always found ways to win New Jersey. And that's also what I hated about New Jersey because they they were such a good organization overall. And just every player that they had, they drafted right, they traded right, they brought in the right guys at all times. And like I said, Marty Broder helps the cause. Well, you learn how to be a winner there, man. Even yep. though we didn't win, I, we, I was on really good teams. I mean, really good teams. Winning all year long, learning how to be – do the right thing. Like even in practice, man, I, Brooks, I'm Tony for me, like just like doing like re- breakouts with some of these guys. So I was on a line with Kozlov and McGillney for a while mm. because they weren't playing well. They're, they're getting older. We had young guys like Parisi and Z- somebody, Zajac maybe coming up. They were playing John Madden was playing, whatever. And I was on a line with him fourth line. Cause he always keep me in the lineup. I, I well, until I, did, you know, he, I would be in and out of line, but Lou would always want me in, in, in a lot of games. I put, think I played a lot of games in a row at the end of that, that year. But I remember playing online with those guys. They were so nice to me, and they didn't have to be. Alexander McGillney, I'm telling you this right now, he was so, never looked at me weird when I would dump the puck in and not cut to the middle and maybe make a little sauce with it, whatever. I didn't get cute with him, and he was probably so annoyed. He, you know, all he wanted to do was probably <laughs> win another cup, and he never – said one and i and i know mannerisms dude you know when guys kind of look like you know give you the look yeah. and uh, and they were just awesome. what are you so doing I, kid I, I, what are you doing right you, now kid give me the damn thing no dude he was just really very nice and hey just to put the puck over here and do, do, do hey no problem just do that sorry about that 
Oh, man. And that's on Lou, too. You can't put two guys on. But I just remember that. And um, they were awesome. That that means a lot, by the way. That goes, on, that goes, that goes a long way. Yeah, McGillney, like, legend. But, you know, after your tenure with the Devils, which is your first of two, as we know, but we'll jump into that. But you are traded to your hometown. You know, obviously, it's St. Louis Blues. And uh, you, the trade was for Bryce Salvador, if I remember correctly, looking up my the good old NHL history books. Um, and your debut was against the Coyotes, if I also got that correctly. Did you know that you were getting traded, first off? Also, how did you feel putting on that jersey of your hometown? Like, there must just have been – we talk about chills about when you got called up, which is an absolute thriller of a story. But I can just imagine the look and the feel that you had for yourself – putting on the st louis blues colors well you know i grew up in st louis played triple a wore the blue uh, the blue note in triple a you know so i had the blues jersey did all you know and you know the, the first kid to play ever from st louis and, and make it growing up in st louis and going through the system and so i already had but then now you go home and you know and, and I had a house right next to my parents. Everybody knew where my, where my parents lived because they would. My parents were lenient and had part. It just was in my own little bubble. Was like you're like a little like you, like you just were the you know my buddies were living with their parents and I was making, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, you know you're just your little rock star and you're in your little bubble again in your bubble. And I just had a blast. Now I could probably could have took care of myself a little bit more, but dude, you're in the moment, man. You don't know that shit can go, but it didn't. Everything was fine, but it just was, it, it was a blast, dude. It was an absolute blast, but it was too much probably. And uh, I needed more discipline at the end for sure. I just thought of a little image that you could even do for yourself, social media upload. I got an image of a, of a midget age group of yourself or midget age of yourself putting on that blue note. And then when your head looks up, it's you wearing the St. Louis Blues, you know, just and then putting at the bottom something like uh, some inspirational quote, and then your hashtag with the podcast. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's gotta yeah, you gotta get creative, man. <laughs> oh yeah, he definitely does. Dave definitely gets creative. He'll do so, that, and he'll, <laughs> and he'll cable guy. Yeah, those are his two guy. specialties. Yeah, that's Scott Gomez. I already cable guy Scott Gomez, and I got the dirt. Scott Gomez, I love him. So, yeah. So again, again, like the Devils, you know, you got this legendary, you know, locker room. You got Paul Correa, you know, Keith Kachuk, a kid, a guy that you watched as a kid, you know, you know, now you're side by side, you know, was there guys that you just bonded to or did you do the same kind of thing? You know, you just went right with the guys and, uh, you know, you just felt a part of it instantly. Dude, it was so much more relaxed, man. I had two different lives when I was playing in St. Louis, dude. I had all my buddies and and high school and my cousins and my friends that I met, I had that life. And then you have like the, the blues guys, like your teammates. And so like, I wasn't a kid anymore there. Like I was like, you know, that was my town. I felt like, right. And and all the guys were awesome and it was more lenient and it was, you know, we're young and Walt was the coolest guy ever. And Paulie Correa was so awesome. He was so sweet to us and, and, and me and he was so funny. And it, it just, it was wild, dude. And we had Eric Johnson and Ocean Berglund. Oh, my God. It was, we had, we were so, Dan Hynote was awesome. Um, I mean, just Jackman. We had such a fun team. And uh, we had a blast. And, 
you know, it, it was just fun playing in front of like all my buddies, man. I had like 30 guys, my, all my buddies come down, probably, you know, terrorize uh, the wives lounge, unfortunately, drink all the beer, you know, and just walk. My, I had like some of my buddies like park underneath where all the, the players parked a couple of times. Like it was, I was doing my thing, probably stupid to do, but you know, you just get lost because you're not. In Jersey, I was it was more like you know, guy, lose coming. We're here. I'm like living at by my at home basically. I'm I'm living at home, and I'm just you're like living two different lives. It was very bizarre, man. You get off track quick. Yep. And now you're that veteran guy where you have where people are looking up to you in the locker. Maybe the younger kids are like, you know what? I'm gonna go hang out with Cam tonight. You know that that's that's probably where I'm gonna go now. Well, tonight. I'm still 23, 24, 25, so I'm still yeah, young. Still, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. so hell yeah, we're all party. Are you kidding me? Oh my god. I mean, <laughs> dude, we were out of well, control, man. <laughs> well, it's amazing. It's amazing because you know we have guys that you know kind of get called uh, sent down to the AHL who you you know been a part of the uh, part of seeing that, and then you get called back up, and they always said you know. You guys were having a good time down here, but you have no idea what it's like up there. You know oh, what I mean? Dude, it's you like, don't, you don't want it's to get just sent. a new oh, level. <laughs> dude, well, I, I fortunately, I was on a one-way deal here, doing all right. So I didn't have that problem until later on. At the early ages, you, it doesn't matter. You're just like, get back up. But when you get older, you're like, oh, Lord. No, 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 no. Especially for me, man. Like, you know, I didn't have that problem until I, I remember my first sent, when I first got sent down, I was like, Ooh, I think, oh, God, it was a t- just a terrible experience. You know, you you get you get the, um, you know, the assistant to call you and then Lou comes on. And like, I, I got to get you down. And you kind of knew it was coming. Oh, God, ugh, it was brutal. And Because I know in my position, I got to go down there and fight guys all the time. But you're not doing it in front of your family and buddies or in, you know, at Prudential Center in front of 20,000 people or Mascot Gardens. You're doing it in fucking Binghamton. Or you're doing it in, you know, Springfield or something. You're like, oh, fuck. And, you know, they got three guys on each team. I don't know. It just was tough, man. It was, it was, it was tough. It was tough. But, and I was going through a lot of other shit, too, by the way. Oh, God. We didn't even get, we didn't have time for that. So I was going through, oh, God, big time shit. Where it, I, it was tough for me to get my edge back, you know. I was just, I had, I went through a big funk and I crawled, I crawled out of it. And my wife, my, you know, my girl at the time who I met, who went to high school with me, um, which I met later on in my career, of course, which is like, I, I kind of played that good. But yeah, it was tough, dude. It, the ending was tough, but it always works back out. See, you know, I know we dove into a lot about the Devils. And before we jump into our last couple topics, we'll let you go. Dave McCaig with Brendan Brooks and Cam Jansen on the special edition upload of the game. You, you became the 22nd player in history to be reacquired and play for the team. I don't know if you knew that fact. I confirmed that on NHL. I did my little research because, you know, sometimes I, I didn't do that well on the ice as both you and Brooks, you did to get a level you did. I have to try to be a nerd on the statistics side of things. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. You got, that's what you got to do. We need one. We need <laughs> one. Dude. Andy's yeah. my nerd. Trust me. And then you returned to New Jersey. What what influenced you to sign there and not elsewhere? I think it's basically it might be a stupid question because of the positive experiences that you had there. But what made you not say, you know what, I want to go sign? And you might be like, what the hell am I saying this for? Why not Toronto or why not uh, dude, other? It was my only option, really. I <laughs> never, dude. I, yeah, man. It was. Oh, let's see. I mean, it. I. I was so in a different world in my head at that moment, honestly. And, and so, it, you know, again, 
in your own, you got to think in my own little bubble. I grew up here. I'm in my own bubble here, right? I know everybody. You know, you're you can't go to the gas. You know, you just you're in a bubble. So I'm not. You're not Elvis, but it just you remember that. But like I had, I I thought that because of my popularity in St. Louis, where all your buddies like you're the man, you're topping. I had good fights. I wasn't putting points up. I was addicted to painkillers, hardcore. I was going through weird things. But you're really pop, but the popular, but your buddies pump you up. So I thought somebody was gonna sign me to, a, and then like I didn't have any. It did, and this happens to so many guys. So, I've been telling you so many guys. And you're like, what? Whoa. And then I called Lou and he asked me right up and he didn't give me a one-way contract. He gave me a two-way and I made the team even with Eric Bolton, who had a one-way two-year deal. And I, he, he still kept us the whole year. And I played that whole year and went to the cup final. So, but that year, yeah, dude, like I was like, whoa. And that was like really first reality check. You know what I mean? Like, dude, come down a notch. You're not, you know, I give me the fuck out of this bubble. I got to get back to reality again. And then you go yeah. to meetings, and it's just must, it's just a positive reunion. Oh yeah, dude. Oh yeah, you're back to like hockey, hockey, no distractions, dude. You know, like no, no one's like you're not. I mean, fucking like the the shit that you gotta deal with, dude. As Patty, like you just, it's just not. You can't. You're in a you in a, a utopic weird world, if that even makes sense. <laughs> and then you go back to Jersey, like oh fuck, I could. Oh yeah, I know. I know what to do all day now. I know what to, you know, you just—it's just ten times better. Not better because at the time with the—I shouldn't say that. At the time with the Blues, it was Armstrong wasn't really involved yet, and he came in, and I was gone. So it was just kind of in a weird spot where it was kind of loosey goosey, and that's it. And for me to live here and be from here and oh god. So yeah. yeah, Anyway, what a great experience there. But uh, oh yeah. So. 2015, 16 comes and you decide to go to Europe. And my question is, you know, there's a lot of places to go in Europe. You know, why the UK? And this is where we actually ended up playing against each other again after a a lot of years. Um, But like, was it because there's fighting in the UK and that's something? Or was that something you were ready to just kind of slow it down and wanted to play the game and uh, and just continue? I know you had. Again, I didn't. I didn't know if I I got into a weird jam. I was just trying to get my shit in order. I was in a I was in a weird a more bizarre spot than you guys think. You think I'm having all these? No, I I was like, do I do I? I couldn't play. The American League was so weird. I had to get on. Oh my god, I had to get on like some boxing to get off these painkillers. I was just you know, and I was just in a weird spot. I get done trying to be an emotional ending to a, the most, the worst season ever for me. I was hurt all year. I was getting, I was, I was um, on the program. I was getting drug tested and I was losing my hair. My poor wife was just like by my side. I was sitting games out. And finally I was on Suboxone. What does Suboxone this medicine to help you get off painkillers. And it, it makes you blah. And I'm like hardcore, man. And that's how mm-hmm. I need to be. And it made me so blah. So finally at the end of the season, I, forced to be tough and it had a great ending but i kept getting suspended because i was crushing guys and it was weird so it just sucked man again i was like well look at losing my hair i could see my hair falling out so at the end of that year i'm like i don't want to play in american league anymore and i don't have any options i could have called lou he was in toronto at the time i probably could have gone to maybe the marley's with three other tough guys and just fought these months but i'm like i love history and my buddy brock wilson and jordy fox were like dude they Nottingham and they talked and Nottingham's like, Oh God. Yeah. 
can you come over? You want to come over here? And we went over there and had a goddamn blast. And me and my wife were treated like honestly royalty over there. And we can go over there right now and sit down yeah. and have an autograph signing for th- for eight hours. I swear to yeah. God. Well, the support there in Nottingham is one of the best in the UK. You know, it's uh, it's a great spot to play, and uh, and I know they get good crowds, and uh, you know, it uh, it's something that is really uh, is special in the UK. You got Nottingham, you got Glasgow, you got the Steelers. You know, yeah, yeah. so it's you know, yeah, there's some, there's go some good hockey though. history. You have to go bring it though, dude. Like I could have gone oh, yeah. over there and put on fucking cruise control and just be like, hey, I'm putting in a chill. I'm not gonna. No, I, the, the first time I fucking went there, they asked me at one of those big skates. Remember, dude, like that where Corey Nielsen had his 10 year, whatever it's called, where all the teams come in, they have a charity skate or whatever it is. And they said, can you dress like Hulk Hogan? My first week there, can you dress like Hulk Hogan in front of 7,000 people? Go to center ice, dance, rip your shirt off, flex for everybody. I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. And that's what you do. <laughs> and that guy. Yeah. And, and then yeah, I went out there. 100%. And I, and I fucking ran guys and I fought and I was a leader and I was into it. And, you know, and Kate and I embraced the city and the fans and we talked to everybody. We party with the fans. Yeah, dude, fuck that. And the guys on the team were so goddamn awesome, dude. Oh, yeah. my God. Well, and you I had David the, Linger believe, there, yeah. too. A oh, guy that we had on yeah. the show. You had the Linger, the legendary fuck David yeah. Ling. Motherfucking love him. That's funny. I love him. And as yeah. was... Oh, we had a recent upload with David Lang, uh, obviously, and he's the stories that he was telling, in particular with the the Russian side of things, is absolutely hilarious. Everyone knows that story. That's oh no God, Lang. dude, we, he was so. I was a little nervous, so <clears throat> I was kind of like, you know, I wanted to be a leader on team, not like where, because you know, Clark he was there, but I just, you know, I I was, I, I you know, everybody was so cool. They kind of looked up to you, and I wanted to prove it. You, you know, it's one thing. You play in the NHL, whatever, and you go out there, like, I'm cool, man. I'm not do-. No, I was like, no, I'm going to go as hard as I can for you guys. I sh- and I busted my ass so the guys like you. And then Leaguer comes, and all the guys were like, oh, boy. And they kind of not made it. I was just kind of worried about it. And then once I met that motherfucker, oh, yeah. we bonded. Oh, and we, oh, my God. But we did have a couple. We had one time where we went at it in the locker room because we just both weren't doing our thing. And we bat with, what, what do you mean? And then all of a sudden we both go out there and just fucking put a show on when the, you know, just cool things like that kind of happened. Awesome. Well, yeah. Well, you had great guys there because I played for the uh, British national team. So I got to play with a lot of those guys uh, yeah, at dude. the national team level. You know, you had farms, you got Evan Mosey. <laughs> well, Clarky, who's a legend in Nottingham. Oh, you know, you handsome, got some beauty. Handsome bugger. Oh, yeah. my, I, we love him so much. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. He is the sweetest so they, human being in the world. Yeah. Oh, I know. And then, well, you get my old teammate from the AHL was Brad Moran. You know, great oh, guy. One of the nicest men I ever met. Dude, it was weird how cool. NHL. It was weird how cool everybody was. You know why? You're just all e- equal, right? I mean, yeah. you just are. Everybody had their own experiences here and there. You know, you're, you know, it just, and even me playing in NHL, but I'm a fourth line guy, tough guy. So my roles would be humble and funny anyway. And so I, you know, it just, it just, it just worked, dude. And it was so fun. And again, you know, Kate and I can fly over there right now, honestly, yeah. and party well, that city down. <laughs> well, that's the beauty with Europe. I was fortunate enough to be over there for 12 years, but 
you know, that fan player experience, like you said, you can just do whatever you want and they'll embrace it and they love it. They chant during the games. It's an experience that you wish I wanted all my buddies to come over and watch a game over there because it's such a different atmosphere than the NHL games. It's just yeah. such a different feel. They love it. I I hope that league, I hope that league really blows up. And and they have to keep it the same with the fighting. And like they they love it's the one sport where the 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 Brits love the toughness. That's why a lot of UFC guys come out and like fucking some badass dudes over there, man. Like they really are. And soccer is so kind of like oh yeah, you know like oh. And I know they love Thank their you. soccer. Rugby's yeah. tough. But the fighting aspect and the speed of hockey and the consistency where it just an even flow the whole game and it's and the characters you can evolve, they they love it. They yeah. love it. I hope I hope they I hope they make a lot of money. I hope Well, the money I always through. say I always say like the best way to explain it is you put in well as we say, soccer fans, but over there you're putting football fans who are nuts in general yes. in a hockey rink. Like that's oh. the best way to explain it. Just think about it. Football fans, soccer fans in a hockey rink. Like, it just explains it all right there. In an old school setup, like an old old school style still. It's the, it's the, no, it's the 2006 through 10 tough, like, speed era of the NHL and the fighting where there was, like, you know, so many fights a year, my God, when, like, you know, guys were fighting, like, 50 times a year, whatever the case was. And uh, not 50 times, I'd say like 30 times, but you'd have a lot of guys in the 15s through that 10, kind of like 10 years, whatever it was. But it's just awesome, man. We had a blast. Nottingham, we love historical aspect of everything. We love castles and shit, dude. I'm a nerd. I will. I watch if there's a anything about medieval. God, we're ancient. I just love it all, man. So that was a different aspect. We'd like travel together and stuff. So, dude, we, we ate it up, man. See, you know, the, that leaked to, I know, Jerry McLaughlin, someone else we had on our show late, a while ago at the Game Sports Show Special Edition. They was this, we were talking about just kind of that league in general and a lot of good players that came out of there. And Brooksy, obviously, you've made your impact there. And let me tell you, Cam, if you want to go look back at old Brooksy videos of him celebrating <laughs> and him no. on TV, it's absolutely fucking hilarious. I'm okay. going to creep you out after this, by the way, Brooksy. <laughs> I just, yeah. I'm going to creep you out, man, because you, you, we talked to you, and I had to go do a podcast, and I didn't get time to, like, really. But I'll, I'm going to dig at you tonight, man. Maybe. But, yeah, anyway, like that – you've been grinding it for a while, though, man. I mean, God oh, yeah. damn, dude. I did. Like, how's I your did. body, man? How's your body? Well, I got some injuries, but uh, for the most part, you know, I was very fortunate not to have anything that was, like, you know, to the head. You know, I didn't have a lot of injuries. Like, my, I broke my arm bad, and uh, – I, I took a, a slap shot by Christoph Schubert. I don't know if you remember yeah, him. Yeah, of course. Uh, who played for yeah. Ottawa. So him and I played on the same team in uh, Germany there in the DL at Hamburg. And uh, on the we were on the power play, and I played in front of the net. And he just teed up a one-timer that just hit me square in the face. So, you know, I had that one. But it was like my whole face went hot. I didn't forget anything. But uh, Yeah, but did, you know, were you I, just I, elusive? I were you elusive? Yeah. Like, like yeah, how, like – yeah. I was just like, damn, my face feels so goddamn hot right now. <laughs> and, no, uh, I pull, and I, I remember, like, go ahead. No, you you said it. so. He so you, were you concussed after that though? Like, were you like? No, I like I I passed all the tests. I didn't see stars. You know what I mean? I didn't have a headache. I didn't have anything. It was like it's almost like the way it hit me. It kind of curved into my face, 
and just hit my nose. Uh, you know, it kind of like it was like a curveball almost where it didn't have that straight on impact. And uh, the funny thing is, I remember talking to Rob Collins, who you might know. Uh, I, was, I looked at him and I just said, hey, are my teeth there? Because that's all I cared about, really. I and he know. goes, Brooksy, there's so much blood. I have no idea. Oh, <laughs> and, uh, and that, that just ruin, ruins your weekend, man. Just, You're not eating oh, anything, yeah. dude. But oh, no, the point was, is, like, you guys can talk about me all you want. But, like, think about it. Like, you played double games than I did, man. Like, you played so many games, dude. Like. Like that's a lot, man. Like, God damn, dude. And you travel and you're you're going different places and do it like that's just a Yeah, I love you traveling. are journey you're it. a journeyman, dude. Like big, yeah. do you got kids though? I'm sorry, I don't mean to interview I, you. I do. But, well, I didn't I didn't have kids until the end. So uh I didn't yeah. have kids till my last two years. So um I got to experience it all, you know, and travel and uh you know, I I, I feel I did it right. And my kids got to be born over there in the UK. And, uh, oh, awesome. and we, uh, so it was kind of a, a great situation that I, you know, I kind of wrapped it up and, uh, and I still have that history of my boys being born over there. That's kind of, how, yeah, that's really cool by the way. And then like, now you got to think like it's a grind, but you want your, you want some, some way for your kids to kind of remember something of that. You know what I mean? I don't know how old yeah. they were, but at least say, yeah, they were they, really young. Yeah, they're really a part young. of it. They were one and two. Yeah. They were one they'll and be two. a part of it though. Like they will be a oh, part yeah. of it though. So that's pretty oh, yeah. cool, man. Well, they'll yeah, look dudes. back and see the pictures. So that that's Damn the beauty right. of it. Twin boys too. You know, that's Bo and Cruz right there. <laughs> yeah. Twin Brooks. Oh, yeah. Wow. Hell yeah, now, man. The last topic that we'll get to before we jump into the conclusion. And I want this, it's going back to you with, uh, what you're doing now, well, like like off ice now, you retire from the game after you're done in Nottingham and you enter the world of media, if you will, right? And you have a known podcast and broadcast title, Cam and Strict Podcast. And how did you get into sports broadcasting, one? How did it start, number two? And number three, what has the world of media been like for you? And I guess four, talk about that podcast of yours because I have been on your Twitter page and I'm sorry, I'll be honest. I just followed the his Twitter pages. Now I, 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 I literally have not followed anything on Twitter. I'm starting to get back on Twitter because it's actually a very important resource. And on Instagram, I started following everything. I looked at some of your episode clips in particular with the recent one of this upload. I know some of the uploads that we're going to have, this going to be later. So episode 95 with Doug Armstrong, that's the one that was just up uh, that I was looking at, but you have a lot of good marketing on there. I must say well, with all your commercials it, it's it's fantastic i want you to promote the hell out of your media career what you've done and about your podcast and everything well, i yeah. think you just did dave yeah yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> my podcast. it's all good you just find it man it's all good uh but no i the, it was weird because i i feel like if i would have played another year so i signed a two-year deal with with nottingham an extension and then some local radio stations in town when i was here in the summer got a hold of me and they wanted me to come fill in and then they both kind of offered me a contract with radio. And I'm like, God, I can't go back over there and fight guys again. Like, I'm, I, I'll, I'll get caught with one, and I don't need to do that. And uh, there's mo- the money thing, of course. So I kind of had to, like, just kind of cut that off, like, a, you know, a couple of weeks before training camp. But it, they, they're used to that kind of stuff. And I had to pounce on this to get my career going, my second career going. So I started radio. And uh, it was tough at first because – to be honest, I'm not a big sports fan. Like when I was playing hockey, like I wasn't even paying attention to hockey. I was paying attention to my like social life, you know, and, you know, like music and like having fun and like just stuff like that. And so 
but I was really good on the radio when I get interviewed all the time. I was really comfortable and, you know, and it's like, you know, just go on and be funny with everybody. Um, so I started to get into it and I worked for ESPN, uh, locally for a while. And it's just, God, they're just so, they're so sports centric. I, I just don't, I I can't, I I don't like it. I don't, I'm curious and everything else sometimes, you know, like tornadoes or whatever, anything. So I did that, but then I got a job offer to do a different show at a different radio station locally. And I kind of did the the same thing, but I kind of found my groove. You could be yourself. People know you. They know you're from here. So you could talk about anything locally, whatever, just be yourself. And so I got my own show and it, you know, it's been working out. So I do my own show for the past three years straight, uh, every single day, you know, and then I, um, and then I need, you know, the podcasting coming about and I wanted to be myself even more. And so Andy, I got a hold of Andy Strickland, and who's a friend of mine, who's just the insider, basically, in St. Louis. And we teamed up, and we got all these monster guests, and we're real, and we're like, we don't, we we just say, I ask any, I ask the questions that probably everybody wants to ask. I'm like, dude, what, how'd you do that? Like, I don't get it. How much money, like, I don't know. You're just like having a conversation, and we figured out our niche, and it's working. We're blowing up. Yeah, you guys are absolutely doing Great. And it's like you said, you know, Andy Strickland, there's a guy who's got the insider's way. He's had experience uh, in, in the world of hockey and sports overall. And obviously you played hockey, as we just discussed, for the past hour and tennis plus minutes or so, uh, which is well more than the time we thought we'd allow to. But that's what happens when you get chatting. As you See, and like when you said earlier to Brooks, you're like, I'm sorry to interview you. That's the. That's the radio broadcasting podcast. Yeah, Everything. I know. Oh, I did, dude. I've done four hours of radio already today, dude. I did a show <laughs> from seven to ten this morning, then my show from twelve to one, and then you guys. So I'm like, it's like, ooh, commitment. So that, it's that's commitment. what I'm like, do. Let's do six o'clock, guys. Like my brain only works like six hours a day. <laughs> so anyway, and as I mentioned, you're on Twitter. We're paying you overtime. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. That's all good, dude. I I get the game, dude. Trust me. And it's at Cam and, and Strict Pod is what it is on Twitter, and you can get it on Instagram. As I mentioned, it's definitely worth the follow to check out. And and honestly, just to see you doing this, I just it's something that I'm obviously striving for, especially with our new brand of Gem. Uh, it connects well, and I'm glad we're able to connect because everything with podcasts is the way of the world today, obviously, and especially with the state of the world and I'm not going to bring up why the state of the world it is what it is because I hear enough of it at my full-time work and also with just out in the real world so it, this is the world that everyone enjoys to be in the podcast and us talking and shooting the shit back and forth yeah, dude. Good point. and you know definitely to see the podcast of yourself and other great guests that we've had on the show too, uh, see what they're doing and to connect with the community and also your fans it just gives you a different aspect to show that you're not just a guy who can kick someone's head kick someone's head in, beat someone's head in, whatever way you term you want to use, but you're able to uh, just provide entertainment. Like we know there's a big podcasting platform out there right now with spit and check. Let's just flat out say it right now. A lot of people really tune into that, but there's other great ones as well with yours, uh, with ours. I think everybody's different, man. Everybody's got their own style. They're like a band. Yeah. They're like a band. Like you're like, you know, like you're just a band, just be your own thing. And, yep. and, and it's not a competition with anybody. Like, like there's so many sponsors like everywhere like you you know it's you just be unique and don't rip on people like oh. me and the boys and like business those guys we're all buddies like we we're not competitive it doesn't even matter like there you no. got their like that's the beauty Everybody of it. loves it if you're entertaining you just find entertaining. 
Yeah. I also find in the hockey player, guys are, you know, if you're a good guy and a good teammate, guys will do anything for you, no matter who you are. And and that's the beauty of sports and hockey and, 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 and all of it. And uh, it's amazing how we've all been able to kind of come together because, you know, I'm good buddies with Biz and, uh, you know, Terry Ryan. We're all working together, and that's the beauty of it all. Exactly. We'll entertain you. We'll, we want to entertain people. And even during this, like, bullshit that we're going through, which it's of course serious, but it's just like bullshit as a whole. Yeah, Do we 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 put a smile on people's faces, man, and it's entertaining, and and people love it, dude. So I, I get the game again, dudes. So it's this you know, is and the, before we actually let you go, we have we're gonna get to our conclusion now, Cam. We appreciate the time that you uh, put in with us, and we always ask our our guest bonus question each. It's simple one word answer. It's putting you on the spot. Uh, not that you knew what we were gonna ask you at the show, but uh, it's just something that we think of randomly that we've gotten known for to ask at the end because it kind of gives a personal another personal view of what you're kind of thinking or anything of such. My questions are less creative than Brooksy's, to be honest. Brooksy gets more fandom with his questions. Uh, so I, I, I'll stick to be behind Brooksy with this, much like my hockey career obviously was, even though we're different ages. Uh, you, you have, if you have one more time on the ice, a rematch or desire to fight, who would your opponent be if you had to fight a person one more time that you fought, well, or something even having fought in your prime? Like, okay, so <laughs> so funny because I always know. Uh, I I I love my good buddy Kelly Chase, who who I've looked up to. He's helped me in business. Like he, we've, we've known each other. We do. And, you know, if me and if he was in his prime in the early nineties, when he had that long ass mullet, you know, when he was doing this thing and I, and me and my prime, whatever the hell that was, we would, we would fight so long and switch up on each other. And just, it would be one of, I, I think it would be such a great fight. Like two kind of, we both are the same size, although I'm, I'm way more jacked than he is. Um, we would just kick the crap out of each other. It would be funny. Yeah, and Chris a- Neal, too, by the way. I, mean, I never got to fight. Oh, uh, Neal. Yeah, yeah. I fight Chris Neal. Neal. You know what? Kelly I Ch- fought Chris Neal in our dress- dressing room. He was my teammate in the North Bay, and I fought him in the dressing room. <laughs> oh, and yeah. I almost broke my hand hitting him in that melon. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, he, he could eat one. But, yeah, another guy, like, the, 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 the guy realistically would be Neal. We just never – they always had, like, Karkner or, or some – McGratton. So I never got – I never fought Neal. But I think we're the same kind of size. I don't know. It would have been a good one. Yeah. Brooksy. Well, I, well, I usually ask is, you know, someone who's had a big influence, but you, you answered that for us earlier with Lou Amarillo. Uh, so, you know what? I'm going to kind of go not want a one word answer. I want to know if you got a quick story, anything that's happened, something funny that's uh, along the way that you can tell a quick story for us here that just, uh, you know, to end the show and uh, end on a good humor here. Oh, damn. Oh, oh, that, oh, you're oh, good with what people spot brooksy that's good. i know oh, that, yeah. that's so hard to do right now now you're gonna yeah uh a quick story um <laughs> God damn it dude something you got okay okay real quick um yeah i got one so you guys talk about my, my windsor days right like oh yeah man like it was it was again like you know playing in your hometown again another bubble right you know about juniors man like it's like you're popular there like people know you and it's like you're 17 you're doing your thing so anyway I remember I was 18. No, no, I was 19. My last year, I had my buddies in town. I'm, I'm there three years. I know the town at this point. I have money. You're already drafted. You're signed. You this year kind of you're, you're peacocking around town. <laughs> and I got my buddies there, and we go to 
we're partying all night, like doing crazy stuff, man. You know, and we stay in a hotel and I go back to my billets and there's people in the driveway. And I'm like, God, we're so fucked up. Like, I mean, like not, you know, <laughs> I, I don't even go in there, but we were partying. So we go in there and everybody's crying. And there's my coaches in there and teammates and stuff like that. My billets and they're crying. I go, what? I'm like, oh, my God, I'm getting arrested. Like, I, so we, what did we do last night? You know, I mean, it was a long, you know, one of those. And they're like, oh, my God. I'm like, what, what, what? They're like, you've been traded to Guelph. I'm like, oh, thank fucking God. And they're like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> my buddy's like, oh, my God, thank God. We're all sweating our asses off, you know. And so, uh, and I'm like, oh, God. And so I talked to my coach. I'm like, all right, man. And they're the best team in the league at the time, you know. So it was like, perfect. And my buddies were in town throughout that whole thing. It was hilarious, man. So we partied that night, did our shit. It was fun. <laughs> it could have been so much worse. You're like, oh my God, what dude. the heck got traded? Oh, fuck, yeah. The whole night flashed before my eyes, and it was like, whoa, whoa, oh, God. Oh, yep, yeah, that's it. Oh, God, um, I'm dead. I'm dead. <laughs> it's all good, man. You're young. It is what it is. Then you go win a mem or an OHL. Well, we win a yeah, you win a, yeah, you beat London, man, and you 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 do a you get your parade celebrated. Dude, it was all, it was like the best thing for your career, man. To like play in the playoffs like that and be relevant, you know, get out there and try not to get get a penalty. You know, like I was getting penalties off the bat. Like God, calm down, calm down. You know, like shit like that. Like play the game, play, like score a couple goals. You know, kill guys cleanly. If that makes sense. <laughs> you know, and I'll say flat out, Cam, it's been a, an absolute treat. And I know you took some extra time and you have a lot of radio time that you do, especially when you're at. And make sure I want to remind listeners and followers, viewers, everything of such to not only hit like, follow, subscribe on everything the Game Sports Show and what the Game Entertainment Media gem does uh, on social media, but with, uh, with your podcast, Cam and Strick podcast on twitter instagram social media around you're on youtube you're on spotify you're on apple you're on google wherever you get good podcasts wherever you listen to your podcast you're going to find not only the game sports show there but you're going to find cams and andy's there as well uh definitely fantastic you took the time tell us all your tales uh, i know we talked more about new jersey than we did kind of about st louis you know from where you're from but we you, you grew up a st louis boy you're hard-nosed guy you worked your fucking ass off to get to where you had to be today and you're actually an inspiration to a lot of players that you know you start hockey late you, you grinded despite that i really stuck out your penalty minutes opposed to your points it's been a great uh, chatter for <laughs> finish my friend i'm glad to have been introduced to you today through brooksy thanks guys man i do a lot of podcasts and you guys are great dude you guys are easy to talk to man that goes again that's a good thing you got a good thing going man you guys know the game awesome brooksy thank you as well for taking the time i know you and i talk enough so you know i, I don't even need to thank you anymore man it's expected <laughs> <laughs> no problem man i appreciate it Awesome. See you, Brooksy. Hey, Brooksy, I'm gonna be creeping you out later tonight. So just like, yeah. if you feel weird, if you feel violated, <laughs> that's then, then what's that's happening. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's I'll, I'll make sure I'm covered up extra tonight. Yeah. <laughs> no, please don't. <laughs> there's, right, a YouTube, there's a YouTube video I'll say before we say go is that there's one where he scores a goal in Glasgow, where at the when he scores at the bottom, it has him doing a dance at the bottom. Send that, send that mug to me right quick. <laughs> I have to find that clip and send it to you. So that's right awesome. on. Cam, boys. Again, uh, this, guys. Been, this has been the Game Sports Show powered by Gem. Make sure you hit like, follow, and subscribe on all the platforms of uh, the Game Sports Show and Gem. Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Podbean, Podtail, Facebook, and Instagram at the Game Sports Show along with the Game Sports Show. The special edition upload in particular has been brought to you by not only by Gem, but also Little Caesars Pizza. 
in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. And I would like to remind you, get into our conclusion. Thanks again to Cam and to Brooksy. I'd like to remind you, keep your stick on the ice, swing your bats, catch your touchdowns, drain your threes, and shoot your shots. Booyah. <laughs>